morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all. Okay. Oh, so nice to see so many people back. And lovely to see you online. Well, not physically, literally see you online, but thank you for joining us and being part of us. It's really great. So we're continuing today with our series, In His Presence. And hasn't it been really brilliant so far? And so today we're going to be looking at a book in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 31. And we're going to be looking about the building of the tabernacle and how we can use our practical skills and talents in his presence and Jesus' presence in us, in the workplace and where we find ourselves, practically speaking. So what was the tabernacle? Now, when I was a little girl and I used to go to some school to this little chapel at the bottom of our road, once a year this exhibition would come and they would set up like a scaled version of the tabernacle and the future temple that was to be built. And all I can remember as a little seven-year-old girl is a lot of mature elderly men in our chapel with their suits and ties getting really excited about this sort of uh, exhibition. And they would be debating and discussing and asking questions and really fascinated about this scaled version that was on display in our chapel. And I can remember thinking, why are people getting so excited about this tent that was built thousands of years ago, and what was the purpose of it, and why is it so important, and how does it have so many parallels for us today? And obviously, as you read and get to know the Bible, and you kind of know the importance of a lot of the Old Testament actually pointing to Jesus, where there are lots of parallels, I've really come to appreciate the Old Testament for myself as I've grown up. There's so much to learn, isn't there? And so we're going to look today about um, two people and how they were instrumental in building and forming this tabernacle. Okay, so as we know, God's presence dwelt in a certain place called the tabernacle during the Old Testament. And it was a little bit like a mobile worship center, if you like. And it's where people would go to worship God. And the Israelites would have left Egypt where they had been slaves and they had wandered around in the desert for 40 years before they entered the promised land. And so during that time, they needed a place to worship their God. And so God gives Moses his law and during that 40 days where Moses was hearing from God, God gave Moses specific instructions on a building project. And this building project was going to be a tabernacle. And the word tabernacle means to dwell. And so God gives Moses this very specific and detailed plan. And we see God's supernatural provision to get the task done. And so we're going to read now Exodus 31. Okay, then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Basilel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. Now Hur was a companion of Moses and Aaron, and he was one of the guys that held up Moses' arms in the battle of the Israelites against the Amalekites. So he was from the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, in silver, in bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Wow, what a multi-talented guy he was. Moreover, I have appointed Oholieb, son of Ahihasamach, of the tribe of Dan. Woo, I don't speak Welsh, but it's sort of Welsh, isn't it? Sounds the same. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so also I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. The tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant law with the atonement cover on it, a little bit like what Sarah was talking about this morning, and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all of its utensils, the basin with its stand and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. Okay, so a lot of detail here, and there would have been a lot of skills and talents going into making this tabernacle. So, this dwelling place of God was built by Bazalel, or let's call him Baz, and Oholieb. They were two skilled and talented craftsmen, and there would have been a team of other artisans also, not just the two of them. And I think for us, how we use our God-given talents, in a way, is like walking in his presence. When we utilize and use the gifts and the talents and the skills that God gives each one of us, whether we're 3, 33, or 103, right across our lives, we can know and walk in the presence of God as we utilize those things he's given us to bless others, to serve the church, to bring his message to others. is a wonderful and powerful thing. And so when we use these gifts he gives us from our day-to-day -day work or for our care for others, it's like we are doing it unto God. And so our work, as we know, is really important. And it's not just about going to work and doing work to pay our way, but it's everything that we do, let's do it and continue to do it unto him. All the work we do, all the care that we give to others, it's like we're doing it for God. Let's do it unto God so that we are walking in his presence as we are using these God-given gifts and talents. And so our work is really important and we can do it in the presence of God. And so I want to ask you a question. What is it that you do right now? Tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening, what is it you do right now? Because I want to tell you, it is absolutely needed and it is very important. Whether you are in school or in university or college, whether we are a full-time parent or a caregiver, whether we are self-employed and running our own business, whether we are an employee, we work in retail, we may work in medicine, we may work for the government in civil service, whether we're teaching, whether we are volunteering in a church or in a charitable organization, whether we're in banking, whether in finance, wherever we are, whatever we do, it is important and it is needed. It is needed and very important to those around us. And sometimes as human beings, we do have a tendency to look around at everybody else and say, oh, I wish I had their job, I wish I did this, I wish I had those skills, I wish I was clever as that person, I wish I was artistic as that person. But actually, where we find ourselves, we can be used by God with the talents and gifts that he has given us. Just like we read about all the people in the Bible where they used what God had given them for his service. And so our service or the job that we find ourselves in is really important to God, but it's also our attitude is important to him as well. 
Now, a lot of people, especially young people, look at these influencers online, YouTubers and Instagram influencers, and they've got thousands of followers, and they think, oh, I just wish I could be successful like that. I wish I had a platform to be an influencer. I wish I could get paid for sitting at home and just uploading a few videos and editing a few videos. And I know that that's not easy. It is a full-time job and it's very worthwhile and it's really great. And some people are you know, really successful in it. But I want to tell you, you are the greatest influencer in your sphere of influence right now. You may be a full-time parent raising a child, staying at home. You are the greatest influence on that child's life right now. You may be the only good influence on your child right now. And wherever we find ourselves, whether it's in the, in the office or in the classroom or in the street, or wherever it is that we spend our time and whoever it is that we are spending our time around, we can be the influence of God in those persons' lives. We can bring love. We can bring his message of hope. We can bring his peace. We can explain things to them. We can be Jesus to these people and we can be a big influence. <clears throat> now, Use the gifts you have and the opportunities you are in right now to be a light and a witness to those people you are around. God wants to give us his presence in his enabling to get that job done. Now, I know I've raised three children and it's really hard work and time-consuming and it feels like you're in it forever. And I want to encourage all the parents here, whether we're single parents, whether we're mum and dad, whether we're one at home or whatever, to keep going be encouraged, you are the best parent for your child and you are their biggest influence. You have the unconditional love for them and just keep going and you are an amazing person. Get the job done, be enabled by God through his Holy Spirit on those difficult days, on those trying days. Set yourself apart and be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you are not feeling drained and doing it out of your own resources, but you know that the job you are doing is right and God has given you this child and he is going to equip you to raise this child in his ways. Use the gifts that you have and the opportunities wherever you are to shine your light around. And so God wants to give us his presence, enabling us to get those things done, using our skills and talents wherever we are and with the people that we are around. Now, when we think of the Israelites back in Egypt as slaves, they were making bricks and building this magnificent empire, but as a slave. So it was hardly job satisfaction, was it? It would have been grueling. It would have been physically exhausting, mentally demoralizing, tiresome, long hours with little reward or no reward, maybe just basic food and water. And so we can see that God miraculously rescues and sustains his people in the wilderness, in their way to the promised land. And we can read all about that when Moses leads the people of Israel out of Egypt and Pharaoh comes chasing them down and God parts the sea and they cross over to the other side. And so here we see two people, Basilel and Ohialeb. And they have obviously learnt so many skills and craftsmanship. And I wonder if maybe they learnt their trades back in Egypt. Maybe they mastered their craft even in extreme and difficult circumstances. And this really speaks to me about times when we find ourselves in 
difficult situations are not the job we dreamed of, <laughs> or in the right place, or in the right placement. And it may be, you know, that that dream job will be there, out there someday, but there are always skills and things to learn wherever we find ourselves, and we can learn and develop and hone and master our skills and master our craft, even in the non-ideal situations and even in that job that just doesn't tick the box for us. And we can be put to good use wherever we are, even in those difficult circumstances or that place or job that we're not really happy in. And so in verse 3, it says, God filled Bazalel with his spirit. And each time we hear this phrase in the Old Testament of a person being filled with the spirit of God for such a thing and for such a task, we can seem to, it's a bit like God is fitting out that person. You know, he's fitting that person out for the task at hand. He is giving them the skills and he is giving them the courage and even the opportunities to use what he has planted in them, what he has given them and gifted them in. And when we look at the New Testament, Paul also talks about being filled with the Spirit as well. When Jesus sent us out into the world, he promised us the helper, the Holy Spirit. And this was so that we would never feel like we are alone, that we have to do things on our own. And so, because the Holy Spirit fills us and gives us his presence, we can then step out in confidence knowing that we are filled with his spirit. He is in us. It's not about me, but it's about him in me and working through me to get those jobs that he has called us to do with his power so that as we do it, it's like walking in his presence. There's a song that we sing and it says, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. And don't you want a Monday morning to be like that, where we are walking in the presence of God, where we are experiencing the glory of his goodness, even in a difficult situation or a trying time, where God, through his manifest presence, because of the relationship that we have with Jesus and his God in us, that we can go about our days confident that we're not on our own. It's not about us. He is with with us, he is enabling us, he is empowering us, and it's his spirit, not just us human people. So on a practical note, how can we apply these truths to our everyday life? Right, I love the Bible because it's practical, and I love this church because all the speakers make things practical, and I'm going to attempt to try and make this practical in just my day-to-day -day life of doing the things that I do what I'm called to do right now, right here in 2021. Is it 2021? 22, okay. There we are, see, I'm obviously not gifted with numbers. That's one thing God left out, <laughs> amongst many others. Okay, so let's wake up. Right, Lord, I give you this day, right? That's the first start, Monday morning, or Saturday morning, or Sunday morning. Do you find sometimes there's like a Sunday switch on, or it might just be me? It's Sunday. Oh, I'm going to be good today. It's Sunday, so I'm going to get up early. I'm going to uh, maybe read my Bible before I go to the meeting. I'm going to put some worship music on to try and get in the zone. And I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to be, you know, seeing the people I love and seeing all these wonderful people who are, 
cold, just like me, and I'm going to feel like I've had TLC. I'll have been in his presence in worship. I will have, you know, chatted to people. I would have been inputted, and then I'm pumped and ready for the week ahead, no matter what it throws at me. And sometimes we can wake up on a Monday morning, we snooze the alarm three times, then we've overslept, then we get up, then we're rushing, then we have no time for breakfast, we can't find our teas, we hit every red light, every slow vehicle on the road, then we're frustrated with all the drivers around us, then we get to work, then we're thinking of an excuse, what can I tell my boss, or maybe you are the boss, or what can I, excuse can I tell my team? And you get to work and there's this huge to-do list presented to you by your colleagues, and you start the day thinking, oh, what happened to Sunday? What happened between Sunday and Monday? And sometimes we can set ourselves up for the most stressful of circumstances because we just need to implement a little bit of organization and thoughtfulness into how we want our days to begin. And the best way to start the day is, right, Lord, what do you want me to do today? What, Lord, do you want to achieve in me by the end of this day? What, Lord, do you want to achieve in my attitude, in my heart, by the end of this week, by the end of this month, by the end of this year? What work, what task, what job are you calling me to do this week, this day? Who needs encouragement? So we're outward looking. It's not just about us and my career and my success and my paying the bills and me being able to buy whatever we want. But it's about using our gifts and skills and talents to bless other people. Who needs encouragement? Who needs a hand? Who needs a tap on the back and a bit of support? How can I use my skills and talents that you have given me to help others to come to know you? Then as we make room or space for God to speak, we can ask for him to fill us afresh with his power to equip us and to lead us and to strengthen us for the tasks at hand. Some weeks, it may just seem like a normal week. There are other weeks where challenges may present themselves. Either way, we're not alone. And so we never step out to do something in our own strength because guaranteed we will become discouraged, we will become depleted, we will become depressed, we will become drained. As it's not about us alone, but it's like submitting our skills and our talents to him and allowing them to be given over or given up to God like a sweet-smelling incense in his nostrils, that our works are pleasing to him out of a heart of humility and grace and submission and prayer. Those are the favorite aromas of God. What's your favorite smell? What is your favorite aroma? Adam's favorite smells. Do you want to know what they are? You're all going to think this is so typical of Adam. Bleach. <laughs> Who likes the smell of bleach? Hands up. There we go, clean freaks. Okay. <coughs> Polish. Fabric softener. And we have this posh Spanish fig air freshener from TK Maxx, and he loves that as well. Me, I love the smell of creosote. Creosote, anyone? Petrol from mopeds. The fumes out of those exhausts that you get in Spain when they whiz past, and you've got that... Oh, that lovely whiff of petrol. So nice. Pipes. My grandfather used to smoke a pipe. Oh, I used to love the smell of a pipe. I used to love it. Or when we lived in Spain and there was a Spaniard walking along after his dinner and he'd be lighting up a cigar, I'd get in the trail just so I could have a whiff of this cigar smoke because it was such a nice aroma. 
I also love the smell of petrol and rubber tires. You know tires? When you go and get your tires changed, those smells of like rubber tires. Oh, oh so relaxing. It's just so lovely. <laughs> oh, I love it. Now, Sarah did a talk years ago, many years ago, and I can't remember what the talk was, <laughs> but I can remember one of the illustrations you used. And it was all about the Cardoma Cafe in Swansea. Has anybody been to the Cardoma? You must go. It's worth a trip into Swansea city centre because there's nothing else to go for. The Cardoma Cafe is a 1950s Italian cafe, and it has been there since early 50s, and it is still going. And when you walk into this Cardoma Cafe, you just get this hit of caffeine in the air. It is the beautiful smell of freshly brewed Italian coffee lingering in the air, and as you walk in, you smell the caffeine, and you already feel awake because just smelling it. And this is one thing Adam and I both love, and that is the smell of aroma of freshly brewed coffee. And Sarah talked about this poem that somebody in Swansea had written about, oh, the aroma of the cardoma. <laughs> I can't remember the rest, but it was, I can just, that really stuck with me. And in Ephesians, it says this, and walk in, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so back, let's go back now to the tabernacle. So there was an altar of incense in the tabernacle, which reminded the Israelites that prayer must play a central role in the life of God's people. It was made of acacia wood and it was overlaid with gold. And so this was like a, an altar where people would come and the uh, priests would light this incense and this incense represented the prayers of the people. And um, one commentator made an observation <clears throat> that this uh, incense altar was made of acacia wood. And acacia wood has got like some really sort of thorny um, stems that come out of it. And apparently the crown of thorns that Jesus wore before he went to the cross was made of acacia wood. And so you can see sometimes in the Old Testament there's lots of parallels and lots of symbolisms that point to Jesus. And it was overlaid with gold. And so God wanted their hearts and lives to be right, not just their day-to-day -day tasks. So let prayer sustain you. Let prayer be that central thing that runs through our everyday lifting up our eyes, communing with God, sending up our prayers, praying for those around us, praying for God's help in the difficult situations that we are in. God considers the prayers of his people to be like sweet-smelling incense. And in Psalm, it says, uh, 141 verse 2, it says, In his vision of heaven, John saw the elders around the throne of God, holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And so God loves the aroma of our prayers. He loves the sacrifice of our love that we show to others. And in Matthew 25, I'm just going to read this. It says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty to you. Uh, I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Half my house burnt down and you offered me a place to stay, did my laundry, brought me food and gifts, came to visit me, lent me clothes, helped me out in a tight spot, prayed for me and let me use your home as if it was my own. 
Then they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. So this is why our talents and skills and the gifts that God has given me and you are so important to share with others. They did it for others, but it ascended to God himself. It was a sacrifice of a sweet-smelling incense, an aroma, and it pleased God. Now, I have been absolutely blown away. As many of you will know, we did have a house fire a few weeks ago, which means we were displaced immediately, and we've been living out of a hotel for the last few weeks, and it's going to be about six months before we can return and live in our home. And so as well as our family and friends, there are people in this church who have been so kind. They have blessed, you have all prayed for us, you have blessed us, you have all been so kind and concerning. You have shown us practically, you have used your gifts and talents and skills and resources that God gives you, and you have blessed us as a family with those things. The day this fire happened, our phone didn't stop bleeping for text and calls and WhatsApp messages and videos of our house where the smoke was billowing out of the bedroom window, and I was in work, and at this time, I didn't know anything about it. And so we were just like Monday morning, going to work, getting on with your day, and the next thing, this happens. And, you know, it's just been amazing. And I have been so challenged by the love and kindness and generosity of people in this church, online and in the room, as well as our friends and family. It has been absolutely amazing. People have turned up. You've offered us a place to stay. You've done our laundry. We have five adults. You've made us meals. You have uh, had us over. You've helped us out practically in so many ways. It's been amazing. And so I know from personal experience that this is a church that is a gift-giving church. It is a church that doesn't hold on to their gifts, to their homes, to their finances, to their talents and skills, just to hold on to them. But they are aligning themselves. You are aligning yourself with God, open to his presence, open to his prompting. When there's a need, you give and you do it wholeheartedly and without complaint. And I personally want to thank you for that and say, wow, you are amazing. What an amazing church. And so as we walk in God's presence, let's continue to be open to hear and to be prompted by the Holy Spirit to use what it is that he has given you to bless and to help and to support others. Because if anything, this last few weeks has really challenged me. And in 1 Peter, it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And in 2 Corinthians, it says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So we look across this room today, and each one of us is a different age, we have a different skill set, we have different talents, we are resourced differently, we're all different ages from all different backgrounds, but we all serve what? The one God, and he gives differently, but we are all serving him corporately. So I want to encourage you this morning, and I'm going to finish with this. Your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. 
Isn't that encouraging and challenging as well? So I just want to encourage you and challenge us, myself included, to keep aligning our hearts to God, to keep being filled with his presence. And in all that we do, it's for him as well as those others around us that can benefit. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you so much for dying on that cross for us so each and every one of us can sit in this room today and in our homes and watch online because of one thing that unites us all and that is you, your love, your sacrifice. And as we look at the Old Testament, Lord, we see these parallels of what you were going to come to do, that we didn't need an altar or a tabernacle because you tabernacle now with us. You dwell in us when we receive you into our lives. We don't need to sacrifice animals or light up offerings to you because you were the ultimate sacrifice for us and you came to this world because you loved us. You died for us so that we can have forgiveness of all of our things that we do wrong. We can have you dwelling in our lives now. We can walk in your presence every day, no matter where we go, who we're with, what we do, where we slip up. Your love and mercy and grace covers us all. And I thank you, Jesus, for your love, for your saving grace, and for the people in this church. Bless everyone in your name. Amen. Thank you.